This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. Attorney Sidney Powell, who is one of the 19 defendants in the Georgia 2020 presidential election case, accepted a plea agreement. This is a ploy by the prosecution to put the defense at a presumed disadvantage. After losing two rounds of voting, Jim Jordan decided to start a third round. The Republican Party's delay in coming together has affected the ongoing investigations into the Biden family. Selecting a speaker is not a difficult task. So why has it become an almost impossible task for the Republicans? The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is on the rise, so the United States issued a rare global warning. Whether the conflict in the Middle East will affect the U.S. electorate is also a trend worth observing. The current anti-Jewish trend in the Western world is related to the prevalence of the far-left wing of the Democratic Party in recent years. However, the majority of Jews support the Democratic Party. Nevertheless, President Trump is winning the vast majority of the battleground states. Okay, let's get into it. On Thursday, attorney Sidney Powell took a plea deal with Fulton County. She pleaded guilty to six counts of interfering with Georgia's 2020 presidential election in exchange for reduced charges. She was scheduled to appear in court a few days later on October 23rd, but by pleading guilty, she can avoid a series of courtroom hassles. Powell waived all defenses as well as the right to a jury trial, the right to confront witnesses, and the right to counsel. Attorney Technofog explained the deal on the X platform. Technofog wrote, Fulton County prosecutors dropped all seven felony charges against Sidney Powell in exchange for a misdemeanor plea. They overcharged and they knew it. Powell will serve six years probation as well as pay a $6,000 fine, write a letter of apology to the citizens of the state of Georgia, and testify truthfully at the trial of all co-defendants. Powell's attorney, Brian Rafferty, argued that those acts for which Sidney Powell was charged were not crimes. Rafferty said, The only other issue which I discussed with Your Honor this morning is a similar issue that came up with Mr. Hall, which is whether or not these offenses are considered crimes of moral perpetuity. Mr. Hall refers to Scott Hall, a bail bond agent. He is the first defendant in this case to accept a plea bargain. On the third round of voting for House Speakership, Jim Jordan only got 194 votes, while House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries got 210. Jim Jordan failed to get the 217 votes that were needed to win the Speakership on the first two ballots, and during the second time around, he actually received fewer votes than he did in the first ballot. This created a big uncertainty in Jordan's campaign. Some Republicans considered whether to fill the vacancy with Speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry. Jordan met McHenry at the Capitol after losing the second vote and said that he was the right man for the job. Earlier on Thursday, Jordan expressed support for a resolution authorizing Speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry. This resolution would have broadly granted McHenry the same powers as an elected speaker. However, he would have only been able to serve in this capacity until January of next year, and he wouldn't have been on the list of presidential heirs. 
This resolution would have given Jordan a few more months to build support for his campaign. While some Republicans did support this proposal, many did not. By Thursday afternoon, the Republican conference had failed to move forward with a proposal to authorize Speaker pro tempore McHenry. Representative Pat Fallon estimated that about two-thirds of the House Republican conference opposed the idea. Legislators who oppose the scheme have their own reasons. Jordan explained in a closed-door Republican meeting why he supported the proposed resolution to expand McHenry's powers as Speaker pro tempore. Fallon said that he understood Jordan, but he did not support the proposal. House Republican Conference Chairwoman Elise Stefanik said that she strongly opposed any effort to work with Democrats to authorize Speaker pro tempore McHenry, and she reiterated her support for Jordan. Representative Jim Banks of Indiana called the resolution to empower McHenry a giant betrayal to Republican voters and the biggest FU to GOP voters since a majority of House Republicans may vote against it. Matt Gates said that he doesn't agree that authorizing a speaker pro tempore is the best solution for the House. He thinks that the House needs to elect a speaker. So Jordan decided it would be better to go on to a third round of voting. We made the, we made the pitch to um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, we decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for speaker and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues, particularly I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me um, so that we can move forward and begin to work for the American people. The House GOP voted via secret ballot to drop Jordan as the speaker designee. The final tally was 112 to 86 in favor of removing Jordan. On October 23rd, the House GOP will return to Washington for a candidate forum. Candidates must submit their names by the previous day. House Republicans reportedly canceled a major hearing that was scheduled for next week because of the ongoing turmoil over the House Speaker. The hearing would have featured key Biden family corruption witnesses. Investigative reporter Paul Sperry wrote on X, Sources tell me House Republicans had to cancel a major hearing scheduled for next week that would have featured key material witnesses to Biden family corruption narrating new documentation due to the ongoing turmoil over House Speaker. The House of Representatives has been without a speaker for more than two weeks now. The controversy over choosing a permanent House Speaker has blunted the investigations into the Biden family. No one talks about the Hunter and James Biden subpoenas anymore. Neither does anyone talk about the Biden impeachment inquiry anymore. The Republicans do have a slim majority in the House of Representatives. However, they are unable to elect a speaker. Democrats, on the other hand, have been united voting unanimously for minority leader Hakeem Jeffries every time. Speaker elections are normally a matter of routine. So why has it taken House Republicans so much to accomplish the task? A key factor is that the Republican majority is too slim. Currently, the Republicans only have a nine-seat advantage in the House of Representatives. This means that it only takes five Republicans with differing views to block any proposal. Newt Gingrich told the Epoch Times, the problem is they need 20 more Republican votes. 
with 20 more Republican votes, you can afford to have eight or nine people act crazy. But when you're down to four or five, it's really difficult. Oftentimes, the majority party in the House of Representatives will have an advantage of 40 or 50 seats. With that many votes to spare, it's easier to isolate the most liberal or most conservative members. Of course, slim majorities are not always so difficult to reach agreement with. The Democrats, who led by only 10 votes in the last Congress, were able to rally behind the Speaker and pass a number of pieces of legislation, including the American Rescue Program, the Inflation Reduction Act, and a whopping $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. However, there's long been a hardline force among House Republicans. In 1998, Newt Gingrich declined to run for re-election to the speakership despite the successes of his leadership. This was partly because of opposition from hardliners in his own party. Former speakers John Boehner and Paul Ryan were similarly fiercely opposed by a small group of hardline Republican lawmakers. This reluctance to compromise is more characteristic of Republican voters than Democrats or independents, and it's an attitude that has hardened over the past quarter century and that has increasingly been reflected in Congress. The State Department issued a rare global travel alert on Thursday warning all U.S. citizens abroad to exercise greater caution when traveling outside the country. They cited the potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or acts of violence against U.S. citizens and interests. The State Department also has three tips for U.S. citizens traveling abroad. First, stay alert in tourist areas. Second, sign up for the State Department's Travel Smart program in order to receive information and alerts and to easily track your location in the event of an overseas emergency. Third, Keep an eye on the State Department's social media accounts, including Facebook and X. The war between Israel and Hamas will probably escalate into a regional conflict. The volatile northern border is a major concern for Israel. On Thursday afternoon, Iran's ally Hezbollah fired at least 20 rockets into northern Israel, drawing swift retaliation from the Israeli military. Israel has evacuated citizens within two kilometers of the Lebanese border. The U.S., Britain and Germany are also calling on their citizens to leave Lebanon. The Senate voted unanimously on Thursday by a vote of 97 to 0 to pass a resolution reaffirming U.S. support for Israel in the Gaza war. The resolution strongly supports Israel and its right to self-defense, and it condemns the Hamas attacks on civilians. It also noted that the United States stands ready to assist Israel with emergency supplies or other security, diplomatic, and intelligence support needs. The Israeli-Palestinian war, in addition to the military war in the theater of operations, has given rise to a political war and a war of influence on a global scale. In terms of military, the Israeli-American alliance is completely overwhelming for Hamas. But the war of public opinion has become evenly matched recently, with the West dominating only in the mainstream media and the Muslim side dominating on social media. What Hamas does now is still no different from what it did in the past, and it is very brutal. Nor has the West changed its characterization of Hamas as a terrorist organization. 
Israel's backer is still the United States, but the attitude of other countries has changed. In the past, when Hamas provoked Israel first, most of the Arab countries in the Middle East would remain silent and they would not help either side. But this time around, not only have a small number of people in various European countries taken anti-Semitic action or disseminated on the internet remarks in support of the Palestinian militant armed organization Hamas, but there have also been protests in support of Hamas in the universities of Britain and the United States with the signing of signatures. The United Kingdom and France had to announce that foreign students who participated in activities in support of Hamas would have their visas cancelled and they would be repatriated to their home countries. This change is also affecting the U.S. election. Democrat President Joe Biden, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken are all staunchly pro-Israel. But their base doesn't align with them anymore. There are people in BLM, young students including high school students, and Muslims in the U.S. who support Hamas. This has to do with the Democratic Party's drastic shift to the left over the years. Gallup has been conducting a tracking poll of Americans on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict since March of this year. The poll found that more than half of Americans support Israel at 54%. Only 31% support the Palestinians, and only 15% have no preference. But American Democrat support for the Palestinians is 49%, which is much higher than the U.S. average. Democrat support for Israel is only 38%, which is much lower than the U.S. average. But there are two other interesting statistics. More than 70% of Jews support the Democrats. Well, it is the Republicans who have a 78% support for Israel. Rich Jewish businessmen have been generous donors to American universities. The Hamas-supporting protests at universities have finally triggered a backlash from American business bigwigs. I wonder if the performance of the young people this time will make the Jews reflect on their past attitude toward Democrats. While it is woke thinking that has poisoned American universities, liberalism itself is to blame. Had it not been for the continued advancement of liberal representatives, along with Noam Chomsky and J.K. Rowlings and other such figures in American and European society, then American universities would not have been overrun by far-left woke ideology. The challenge for the Democratic Party is the split in the electorate. If it is not handled properly, then the Democratic Party may also lose the monetary support of many Jewish donors. A poll released on Thursday shows that President Trump is leading Biden by four points among voters in seven key battleground states that could decide the 2024 election on the economy. In particular, voters favor President Trump over Biden by 14 points. A Bloomberg Morning Consult poll of 5,023 registered voters in seven battleground states that was conducted online from October 5th to October 10th shows that President Trump is leading in Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania in a head-to-head -head matchup with Biden. In Michigan, it's a tie. Biden leads in Nevada only. 
The mainstream media attributed the public's disappointment with Biden to the economy. Reports say that the public lacks trust in Bidenomics. In the seven battleground states, 49% of voters say that Bidenomics is bad for the economy, while 26% say that it's good for the economy. Voters trust President Trump significantly more at 49% than Biden with 35%. Polls show that voters, especially women, blue-collar workers, and retirees are concerned and dissatisfied with long-lasting inflation. But Biden is popular when it comes to lowering the cost of prescription drugs, making childcare more affordable, and building infrastructure. In terms of union support, President Trump is becoming more and more popular among union families, while Biden is losing the edge that he once had. In the union stronghold of Michigan, Biden's lead is only 11 points, which is less than half of the 25 points that he apparently had back in 2020. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.